You've seen the films, kiddo. It ain't over till it's over. Okay, Dad. Let's do it. Let's go get the shit kicked out of us by love. Yes. You don't like me. I hope it's useful. Don't show it around too much. Needs a bit of editing. It's a self-preservation thing, you see. It's a terrible, terrible mistake, Chubbs. But you turn out to be the love of my life. Happy holidays, everyone, and welcome to 12 Days Pod. I'm Dan Takaki, joined here with my co-host, girlfriend, partner, the Joanna to my Sam, the Judy to my John. <laughs> Boy, there's sure a lot of couples in this movie, huh? Kara Zalaya. Hi. Hello, everyone. Hi. How are you? Doing good. How are you? Well, you know, having a good old time. Good. If you're new here, this is our holiday season podcast, one that is so seasonal that it is only relevant for 12 weeks of the year, which is how long Christmas is meant to be celebrated. Yeah, it is. And we love Christmas. And what you're here for is us having a good time talking about Christmas movies. So let's get into it. What are we watching this week? This week, we are taking a look back at the OG of the holiday movies where they just throw a bunch of celebrities in a movie. <sighs> love Actually. Yeah, Love Actually, indeed. Love it's like, Actually It's exists. like, well, actually, Love Actually. This 2003 movie was written and directed by Richard Curtis and stars. Oh, God. Are you ready? All are right, you ready folks, for this, guys? Folks, one breath. Bill Nighy, mm-hmm. Gregor Fisher, yeah. Chiwetel Ejiofor, yes. Andrew Lincoln, Kira Knightley, oh. Colin Firth, Lucia Moniz, Alan Rickman, Emma Thompson, Hugh Grant, Martine McCutcheon, Laura Linney, <laughs> Rodrigo Santoro, Liam Neeson, Thomas Sangster, Olivia Olson, Chris Marshall, Martin Freeman, Joanna Page, and Rowan Atkinson. One wow. breath. Woo. Wow, 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 wow. I worry for you. Thank you. Kara, <laughs> will you please try and tell us what this movie is about? Absolutely. Like Dan said, it is the OG. What if we just got a bunch of Amos people, threw them in a blender, and now they're in a Christmas movie? Yes. 2003. Let's remember that time in history not great soon after 9-11 which they bring up in this movie right at the beginning they do i i have notes on that the official summary according to imdb and wikipedia i think it might have been the movie tagline is quote nine intertwined stories examine the complexities of the one emotion that connects us all love ah uh, love actually just love <laughs> All right. So to really get into what this movie is about, I have to talk about these nine love stories, I guess. Okay, let's do it. So there's Billy Mac and Joe, an aging rock star and his manager, and they are trying to get like the number one song in England. Christmas is all around us. No, we don't have the rights. We don't have the rights. (laughs) It's not a real song. (laughs) Then we have Juliet. Peter and Mark, which is Kira Knightley, Chiwetel Ejiofor, and Andrew Lincoln. This is the famous meme that you kind of see where like the guy shows the piece of paper and shows up at her doorstep. You know this. There's Jamie and Aurelia, which is Colin Firth and his Portuguese housekeeper. Colin Firth is like a writer of sorts. There's Harry, Karen, and Mia, which is Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson. and Somebody else. (laughs) It's Alan Rickman daring to attempt to cheat on Emma Thompson. Boy, do I have notes. There's David and Natalie, which is the prime minister played by Hugh Grant and a junior member of his household staff. 
There's Daniel, Sam, and Joanna, which is played by Liam Neeson, who is Daniel and is Sam's father. And Sam is a little boy who is in love with a little girl, Joanna, who is leaving soon. And he just, he's also lost his mother. It's tragic. It's very, very sweet. I believe Daniel is also Sam's stepfather. Yes. Yes. So there's also that entire dynamic of a grieving son and a widower, but they're not like biologically related. Yeah. There's Sarah Carl and her brother Michael which is Laura Linney just trying to get it in with a hot guy but she has a super tragic and difficult relationship with her brother Michael who is ill and we have Colin and a bunch of American girls from Wisconsin guys (laughs) the heartland Colin is just like your typical blokey ginger who's just like British girls don't like me and so he just leaves to America to get laid because he thinks women will just find his accent delightful and it works of course it works American girls what are you doing I'm sorry I don't understand the British accent this is not my notes sorry 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 and then there's John and Judy played by Martin Freeman and they are both porn actors they are the best couple in this movie (laughs) the healthiest so yeah those are the couples and all of them are connected one way or another to another couple basically yeah and they all big web yeah and they all sort of come together or have something to do with an airport kind of i think we need to rank our top three couples and kind of expand on them a little bit i editorialized a little already but i want to hear your thoughts so who are your top three love stories okay top three love stories number one is sam and joanne the yes. two kids they're so, so cute. cute so they're cute. so cute so sweet it's just your christmas love your interracial childhood couple. crush interracial couple we love it we love to see it it's great and i have some fun facts about these two actors later on it's gonna be a lot of fun yeah. for me i will say the relationship between the stepfather and son is so healthy and yeah. loving and good and liam neeson doesn't dismiss his son's feelings and is all like yeah no you have to learn the drums to woo this girl yeah you can tell liam neeson is playing a hopeless romantic he felt in love with this woman and she also had a son and he was probably like you know what sure let's do it you have a son i'm gonna try and warm up to him as much as we can and then she got sick and then he was like all right I'm just going to try and make the best of this. And whatever this kid needs, they talk a lot about death with his, this son too. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, yeah, no, I know. I know she's passed, but like, I have more pressing issues. I'm in love with a 10 year old. (laughs) As a 10 year old. Yes. (laughs) Also the movie choices of Liam Neeson are like Titanic. You know, he could have like tried to bond with his son with like a diehard or something. Sure. And said he was like, no, we need Leo. We need Kate. Yeah. We need to get through this. True love. True love. True love. One of my other favorite couples, as I mentioned, is John and Judy. It's just a workplace <laughs> romance, guys. You know, it's like two people that work, work a... Adult job. Adult job. These are the porn stars, folks. As you mentioned earlier, they're one of the most healthy That's couples true. in the movie. They communicate. There's always consent. They There's communicate. no toxic reason why they end up together. Also, it doesn't seem like they work together a Regularly. lot. Regularly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They kind of hit it off and are like, hey, it's Christmas. Do you want to hang out? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And then my other favorite couple is Jamie and Aurelia. 
Yeah. I I don't know. Jamie starts out the movie by getting cheated on by his wife. So he goes and escapes to this cottage in Paris. This is or the in Colin France. Firth character. Yes. Sorry. And he and his housekeeper, you know, have a lot of flirty exchanges back and forth. They don't speak to see each other's language. Colin yeah. Firth speaks English. The housekeeper speaks Portuguese. And Colin Firth learns Portuguese throughout the rest of the movie. And she learns English. And then it ends with them like kind of getting married. I think. Yeah. Yeah. He proposes. He proposes. In, in her village. He like goes to her village and proposes. And It's very sweet. It's very adorable. It's very sweet. Are there any couples that you, you had that I am, am missing on here? Yeah. I mean, my top three includes Daniel, Sam, and Joanna, which you touched on. Sure. But I love Billy Mac and Joe. Billy Mac and Joe? <laughs> I think that Billy Mac is the rock star, aging rock star, and Joe is his manager. And he's trying to get this number one song. And it's kind of the through line of this entire movie because everyone hears this song in one way or another on the radio or sees an interview of Mm. Billy Mac. And it shows that platonic love is important, which honestly is a pretty complex theme for this film, which is not a particularly deep piece of cinema. Yeah, yeah. And it talks about how the great love of his life has been his manager Mm -hmm. who has stuck by all of his stupidity has stuck by all of the dumb things he's done and at the end of the movie billy mac the rock star leaves elton john's christmas party and is like you know what i want to be with the person that i love the most and it's not romantic it is my platonic partner soulmate my manager joe and he's just kind of this dumpy british guy in a t-shirt who just cares and loves him unapologetically yeah it's very sweet it's adorable so i would include him that's a good love line all right with all this in mind why don't we get into what our past experiences with this movie are i know we've probably both seen this dozens of times so tell me about your history with this movie so i've definitely intentionally put this movie on during christmas probably more than a lot of the other classic christmas movies wild but okay yeah i I just it came out in 2003 which was the height of the harry potter movies coming out and there's quite a bit of overlap alan rickman's in this emma thompson's in this Yep, all two of them. You got them. <laughs> There's other British people. I was consuming British media. I watched this movie with my mom, which like isn't super weird for my upbringing because I didn't have a lot of censorship in my growing up. I was pretty much allowed to watch anything at every age, which sure. says a lot about why I am the way I am. And my mom like loves British stuff. Which, which is wild because you hate British stuff. I know. Stuff. I hate most British things. I watched this movie with my mom and I think it came from my mom and I would watch rom-coms together and this is kind of a quintessential Christmas rom-com. This movie is really thirsty like it is a thirsty movie there's so much nudity in doing it and i'm like not a prude at all but like re-watching it i'm like <laughs> wait i watched this movie so much with my mother so i think i just never really watched this movie it was just kind <laughs> of on while i like wrapped gifts made cookies or something yeah and other things that i remember is that i never understood the appeal of hugh grant and i still don't i disagree but okay <laughs> And I've been thinking about this movie a lot recently because you and I have been watching Valentine's Day two minutes at a time every other week. Yes. So I want to talk about that a little bit. Okay, great. We put on the movie Valentine's Day, one of these other mashup holiday movies with like Taylor Lautner, Taylor Swift, Ashton Kutcher, and everyone else. Very Um, of its time. It's like a two and a half hour movie. And we watched two hours of it, I think, on Valentine's Day. Ever since then, it always shows up on like our Netflix queue of being like, are you still watching this? And so I've just. We are Netflix. We are. I've devised this bit where, like, every couple weeks, I'll just put on two minutes of it. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I'll play two minutes, and I'll be like, nah, I think that's good. And we're going to try and make it last until the next Valentine's Day. We're doing really great. The yeah, we is, have 13 minutes left, so. I will say, watching Valentine's Day two minutes at a time is much more compelling of a watch. Because all of a sudden, I, like, just get into it, and then it's like, well, we're done. Time to watch Great British Bake Off. Yeah, well, that's also about how long each storyline lasts yes. between the couples is two minutes. Oh, God. So it's... we get one couple at a time, and it's a little bit more palatable. Truly. Like you mentioned, I don't really remember this movie being that horny. (laughs) I couldn't tell you the first time I watched this movie or the most recent time I have, but like I remember everything about it in a way that's, I don't know why this is taking up so much of my brain space, but Christmas is all around us, pops into my head maybe like once every three weeks. And I'm like, why? Why are we doing this? I remember liking it like fine. Certain storylines stand up, certain storylines don't. Right. We have been talking a lot since our podcast has officially come out. So we've been listening to ourselves a lot as we've been editing. Right. And now we are in this weird loop of being like, was that movie that bad? Or were we being mean? And I'm like, no, it was that bad. And I and- am I am very much caving to my own to my own mind of being like, nah, that movie wasn't that bad. There's so this many worse movies. This is a problem. I am convinced that we are all programmed to try to preserve ourselves, only remember good things where we invested money. Right. And so since we like bought some version of a movie or spent some type of money to watch it, we're all like, well, there was this, so it must have been good. Or we're all so relieved that the movie is over that we're like, ah, it was great. Because you just remember the feeling of relief. So right now we just talked about the couples that you liked. So you're only thinking about the good things. This movie's not good. It's not good. (laughs) This movie's fine. I don't want to be a wet blanket. I don't because I love bad rom-coms. I believe I'm the one who suggested that we put this in the pot. I think so too. I love a bad rom-com. There's something so good about a genre of bad rom-coms where it's like so predictable. Mm -hmm. And that said, re-watching this was like kind of really long and boring. Well, I don't know if it was long and boring. It was just, we've seen this movie a lot. You know, it's not the best Christmas movie in the world, but it's certainly not the worst one we've seen. I, sure. (laughs) Do you think it is? No, no, no. I don't think it's the worst one we've seen. A Christmas Story exists, and Frankie is out there being the worst kid on Earth. Ralphie. (laughs) Please, God. His name is Ralphie. He's trying so hard. And then, see, there's, like, the scale. There's Ralphie, and then Chris McAllister, and, like, in the Kevin McAllister. Oh, my God. (laughs) Guys, help me. I'm trying so hard. Is it my notes time? Yeah. Carol, why don't you tell us all of your notes about this movie, since I think you have a lot. This movie runs for two hours and 25 minutes. It's too long. It's too long. No. Make it short. Make it sweet. Make it good. It's quality, not quantity. Okay? No. The metric for these holiday movies is quantity. Have you not watched them with me? It's quantity. (laughs) Okay. I have to go into the fact I don't get. The fact that Americans are so obsessed with British accents. Hugh Grant is fine. That's nicer than you were when you were talking to me about Hugh Grant. (laughs) I don't get the appeal of Hugh Grant. Hey, all of our British listeners out there, don't listen to Kara. You guys are great. (laughs) Okay, look, I... I would love to spend time in London. I'm not trying to say that there's not great things to British culture. Please, I grew up on Shakespeare. I grew up on theater. I grew up on Harry Potter. I grew up on the Beatles. Love all of it. Influenced me deeply. Radiohead's my favorite band. I can't even begin to not be this big of a hypocrite. But 
in film, there's this thing called the male gaze, which is when the camera slows down and hypersexualizes a woman in cinema. There is some weird Anglophile gaze from American audiences regarding British people. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, having a British accent does not make you automatically attractive. I don't know if it makes them attractive. Uh, for me, there is something inherently British about Christmas. No! <laughs> And that might be a media. Christianity is not a British thing. I'm not talking about Christianity. I'm talking about like the aesthetic of Christmas. Oh my God. Everyone go to New York City. Uh, I think this is another thing that I'm just sort of like, there's a lot of British people that descend, Londonites specifically, that descend onto New York City every once in a while and they just poo poo on my city. Guys, I don't know what to do here. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway, Hugh Grant's fine. My notes are, the intro and the outro of this movie get to me every single time. The kids are really cute. Make this five people. Make this movie 90 minutes. You know what? It's a movie that's mostly for adults. Fine. Two hours. I would extend it. I've watched many a two-hour rom-com. It's fine. I think the problem here that I'm having trouble arguing against it, it's not even that I want to argue against it. It's just that the length of this didn't bother me as much as the length of the other ones. Yeah, but because it's switching so much, it's predictably long. I don't know. Like, I don't have... This isn't your TikTok feed, babe. This is a film. (laughs) I don't really have a defense as to why I think this movie is better than you think it is, but that's fine. We're allowed to disagree on our opinions. (laughs) It's just I'm not as strong in my opinions about this movie as you are. why I'm so hot and heavy on this movie either, to be honest. I'm giving it a higher ranking than other films we've reviewed. You really came out of the gate strong, and it is noted. You know why? It's because I had like a kettle of Earl Grey tea hypocrite, right before recording. So I'm just like full of it. Now that I've said all of that, do you have any notes? I do have a few notes. Number one, as we brought up earlier, why would you try and cheat on Emma Thompson? Truly. Hey, you know she's gonna find out emma thompson is a A witch she is professor trelawney she's a seer she knows what's going on alan rickman you should know you guys are colleagues it's crazy number two we didn't mention this at all but rowan atkinson plays a crucial role in this movie mr bean mr bean for a fun fact he was originally gonna be like a christmas spirit and i really wish they would have leaned into that more wait what rowan atkinson kind of appears in crucial pivotal moments for a few of these people throughout the movie lending a helping hand he was supposed to have originally been like kind of a christmas spirit so i really wish that they like leaned into that a little bit more throughout yeah, the movie yeah. and i think that might have hooked you maybe a little bit more as if there was a kind of a spe- there was a ghost if there was a spectral fantastical oh element God. to this movie i if think there that was a seance between I, all nine love stories i would have been here for it i think that would have sold this movie mm-hmm. for you a little bit more mm-hmm. ghost actuallys if you will <laughs> And then the last thing is they did Chiwetel dirty in this movie. Yes. Go they, off on this, please. Chiwetel is in a loving relationship with Kira Knightley. Loving. He's a good boyfriend, spouse, madly in love with her. Andrew Lincoln comes in as his best friend and he's like, by the way, I'm going to play off this whole time that I hate your wife, but actually I'm in love with her. So instead of being a mature adult who can have an adult relationship with friends, I'm just going to pretend I hate her and make everything awkward for you. And Chiwetel's like, okay, I guess we won't hang out then. <laughs> All right, bye. I'm just trying to like get married and also be friends with you, but okay. They make the whole emphasis on Kira Knightley and Andrew Lincoln, and Chuatel right. is just kind of on the sidelines, being like, "Man, put Chuatel Edgefor in this movie more." <laughs> He's a great actor. Also, he's so hot. Like, I don't understand on what planet Kira Knightley would even for a second be like, yeah, I'm going to leave my super hot, super nice husband. For Rick Grimes. (laughs) 
Anyway, those are all my notes I have. Those are good notes. Thank you. And they didn't alienate an entire country. <laughs> yeah, I, I tried. I tried my best not to. So do you have any fun facts for us about this movie? I feel like there's probably a number of fun facts from behind the scenes of this. Yeah, there's actually quite a bit of fun facts. I want to start with the casting of the part of Sarah, which was Laura Linney. When casting the part of Sarah, writer and director Richard Curtis auditioned a bunch of British women, basically. Oh, sure. And kept saying, I want someone like Laura Linney. And the casting director eventually snapped and said, oh, for fuck's sake, get Laura Linney then. <laughs> <laughs> Is Laura Linney British? I don't uh, think she is. I don't think she is either. Nope, New York City, baby. All right, so yeah. the only seemingly non-British person in this movie. That probably is correct. Yeah. I don't know. Another fun fact is the lake Lucia Moniz and Colin Firth are swimming in sure. was actually only 18 inches deep. Oh. And they had to kneel down and pretend to be in deeper water. <laughs> it was also overrun by mosquitoes. Oh, no. And Colin Firth was very badly bitten and his elbows swelled up to the size of an avocado and it required medical attention. Oh, it was like a whole thing. Poor Colin Firth. <laughs> I know, poor Colin Firth. And those elbows, so itchy. <laughs> Such a soft boy. This movie came out in 2003, yeah. which was a big time politically between Tony Blair and George W. Bush. I remember them. Yeah, which is why... <laughs> You're familiar, which is why the Hugh Grant rousing speech was apparently supposed to be something to really evoke a lot of feelings in the British public. Oh. So at one point, Tony Blair responded in 2005 saying, I know there's a bit of us that would like me to do a Hugh Grant in love actually and tell America where to get off. But the difference between a good film and real life is that in real life, there's the next day, the next year, the next lifetime to contemplate the ruinous consequences of easy applause, <laughs> which is savage. So Billy Bob Thornton is in this film. Yes. Which we didn't even talk about, but he plays the American president. Yes, I kind of forgot about that. Prime Minister. Yes, I guess the other American in this movie. So Billy Bob Thornton has a very real and very unusual fear of antique furniture. What? Mm Mm-hmm. Why? So Hugh Grant would sometimes flash a piece of antique furniture in front of Thornton just before the cameras rolled and watch him freak out in amusement. What does that mean, flash a piece of antique Look, furniture? you're the one who's defending the British, and I'm the one saying, see, this is the type of British humor I don't understand. No, but I don't even understand that physically. Is he, like, whipping out, like, an old couch? And just, like, being like, look at Billy! Ha, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> Wow, it's like Hugh Grant's here. That accent's impeccable. <laughs> Listen, I'm saving my accents for the Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> Stay tuned, everybody. I know that you had a fun fact that you wanted to share with us. I do. This isn't really a fun fact that was confirmed or I saw anywhere. This was more I was just looking at the cast and I kind of pieced a couple things together. So my favorite fun fact is that Thomas Sangster, who plays Sam and who's also known for playing Jojen Reed on Game of Thrones, voices Ferb from Phineas and Ferb. Yes. A great show. Amazing. I fully endorse Phineas and Ferb. Phineas and Ferb. If this we is... have a second season, we'll probably do a Phineas and Ferb Christmas yes. special. It's a it's one of the best shows. Yes, it is. Um, and Olivia. Olivia Olsen, who plays Joanna, also is a voice actor, and she voices Vanessa Doofenshmirtz, who's the daughter of Dr. Doofenshmirtz on the show. And in this show, Ferb is madly in love with Vanessa. And I just thought that was like a fun little That's nod to cute. be like, oh, these two these two actors who were like supposed to be in love in this movie are still yeah. in love in a fictional cartoon show yeah, like decades later. I don't even know if this was intentional or not, but Dan Povenmire, who's the creator of the show, if you're listening, please, please let us know. We love you. 
review. We'd love to hear your review. I love that. I didn't talk enough about Thomas Sangster, who plays Sam, because I have been talking about the cuteness of children in the Christmas movies we've been watching. Yes. And Thomas Sangster is like up there, almost as cute as Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. Adorable child. Again, another blonde kid in a Christmas movie. I know. We Nailed love, it. We, we love to see it. And I wanted to just say and end with this fun fact that despite their differences in looks, Kira Knightley, who played Juliet, is only five years older than Thomas Sangster in this movie. That's fascinating. I know. Yeah. I mean, that's Hollywood for you. He looked like that in Game of Thrones, too. Like, that's true. He's just is, a little yeah, boy, he's little just, sweet, he's sweet just boy small. face. Yeah. So small. All righty, friends. So, as we do every episode, it's time for our definitive ranking of this movie. As is our tradition, we base our rankings around the 12 days of Christmas. So, out of 12 days of Christmas, how many days of Christmas are you giving Love Actually, Dear Daniel? So I'm worried that you're going to rank it higher than me. Oh, okay. I mean, I feel good about my ranking. I'm just worried that you're going to rank it higher than me and your whole rants are going to go <laughs> go be for nothing. But I'm going to give this six geese a lang out of 12. Wow, that's very good. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a middling Christmas movie, but I enjoy most of it. And yeah, yeah. I, you know, it doesn't get high marks for everything, but the song's catchy, as I said. A lot of cute love lines in this movie, some not so cute, but there's not enough Martin Freeman. I'll die on this hill. Martin Freeman should be in everything and should be in everything all the time. He's wonderful and he's charming. Six Geese a Lang, how about you? What do you think of this movie? I did not give it Six Geese a Lang or anything higher than that. Okay. I gave it four calling birds. Four calling birds. Four whole birds. Wow. Look, we've been talking amongst ourselves a lot about what our ranking actually means. And one of the unofficial ways has been how many times are we willing to rewatch this movie? So for like Nightmare Before Christmas or It's a Wonderful Life, I'm really willing to rewatch those movies like 12, 13 times. Sure. I would watch Love Actually four more times. Okay. Yeah. I want to point out this is not how our rankings are going to be officially going. So like I don't want anybody to get any confusion here, but that's that's a good way of looking at it but i i know you're like six is half and i'm like yeah it feels right (laughs) i will say also there's a lot of problematic stuff that we didn't touch on because i don't want to ruin this movie for anyone and like in 2020 i don't want to as much as i'm like haha blah 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 takes 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 i don't actually want to influence people with my opinions i'm just doing it for the bit right but i don't think this movie's good But I also don't want to, you know, take it away from other people. And I may very well be watching it when I wrap Christmas gifts this year. So it is what it is for Calling Birds. It's definitely better than The Christmas Story. And I would watch it again. Yeah. But I think it's bad. (laughs) It's like a C plus movie. It's like, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's kind of where I fell with it. It's like. And I love birds. And I love calling. You heard, you heard it, folks. Kara I do loves love birds. birds. I do love birds. That's a real thing. We'll talk about that in the Muppet Christmas, too. Thank you all for listening. Before we head out today, we wanted to share with you a review that we got from Morgan. Morgan says, do you love Christmas? Do you love movies? Do you need a little joy in your life? Then look no further because this is the podcast for you. 12 Days Pod is the perfect respite for 2020 by spreading a little holly and jolly into your day. Yeah. Aw, thank Aww. you, Morgan. Morgan. We really love thank it. thank you. And hey, if you're enjoying our podcast, why not leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast? And we might just read it on the air. We're only 35 days away from Christmas. So if you want to help us spread some Christmas cheer, please share this with your friends and family. We'd love to have them. Bring them on over. Bring them on over. And join us next time as we take a look back at an all-time classic that Kara has not seen yet, 
Miracle on 34th Street. Not Nightmare on Elm Street. No, that's not a Christmas movie. Miracle on 34th Street, everybody. I can't wait. I'm hyped. And as we say every episode, Merry Merry Christmas. Christmas.